What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of IndiePub Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jay and Chaney, alongside the aggressively helpful SM Voice. Hello. How's it going? Doing all right. How are you? Doing all right. Same here. Pleasantries exchanged. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, this week in the ever-rotating third chair, we're joined by our very special guest, David Estes. Hello. Thanks for having me on your show. Thanks. Oh, thanks so much for being here. Did I pronounce your last name right? It's technically Estes, but I've gotten a lot worse. Um, you get the okay. telemarketers who call. You get the telemarketers. Oh, can I speak to David Estes? So they, they think I'm from somewhere south of the border, I think. Okay. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure I clarified that before we went on. Otherwise, I'll mispronounce your name for the rest of the uh, podcast. And no just problem. forever. Forever and ever. You'll never be able to correct him if you don't change him now. <laughs> So did you, uh, you want to run us through um, who you are and, uh, you know, if you've got anything out right now that you'd like to pimp, you know, on the podcast? Totally <laughs> okay right now. Okay, absolutely. Um, well, my background is as an accountant, so... For most of my my adult life, I basically used the what I like to call the wrong side of my brain, and um, you know I I appreciate the world of cubicles and spreadsheets, but mm -hmm. it's not a world I want to live in. Um, so about five years ago, after meeting my wife, who was also an accountant, and both of us, you know, basically not really enjoying the jobs that we had. Um, I, I made a big change in my life, and you know she encouraged me to start writing, which I did. And here I am, five years later, and now I live um, in Hawaii with my wife and my my cat and my son, <laughs> and I write for a living. That's awesome. So love, you know, it's it's. Go ahead. Oh, I love stories of happy endings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's um, it's it's something that I can I consider I consider you know this the little bit of success that I've had to be part hard work and part luck. Um, you know, I take every day as as if it's a blessing, which it is. And you know, I get up and I work on my projects and I write and I try to I try to entertain my readers, which which have become far more numerous than I ever really expected. And I pretty much you know you started with that one reader. And that one reader turned into ten, and then a hundred, and um, now I've got readers in the thousands, and, and it's just—it's something I never believed was possible. Congratulations, that's exciting. Thanks very much. And I guess in terms of um, current projects, you know, I've—I've I've got a number of books out there. I've been very busy over the last five years, um, and the—the the book that kind of put me on the map was *The Moon Dwellers*, which um, went on to to sell the series has sold over fifty thousand copies. Um, a lot of it from just my own hard work and trying to get the word out and then my, my loyal readers kind of helping in that regard and then I've had some help just from kind of other unexpected sources like BuzzFeed that did an article that included the Moon Dwellers in it and cool. um, things like that. That's really neat. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and then I guess since then I've, I've published a number of, number of works. I have, I have um, in excess of 20 books out now um, which, you know, it's just, I think it's a, it's a, just a, a good summary of how the industry has changed and the ability of, of one author to be able to really expand their backlist um, and mm -hmm. get books to market quickly and finishing series in, in less than a year and, and all of that type of stuff. And you're a, you're a primarily 
Kindle Unlimited author. Is that right? That's correct. Um, I've tried a lot of different strategies, and um, for the since Kindle went to their their pay per page um, read as far as mm -hmm. their Kindle Unlimited program, where authors get paid for each page that's read by by Kindle Unlimited subscribers, that's been a that's has been the approach I've taken is to have most of my books in Kindle Unlimited because my books tend to be reasonably long, um, somewhere between 90 and 110,000 words. So if I do have readers that, that finish the whole book, um, it, it's actually a pretty reasonable payout for me. Hmm. Nice. Well, yeah, um, I mean, that being, um, that being said, it's, it, it, seems like, it seems like there are, there are a lot of ways for um, authors to make a living in this business, whether indie or traditionally published. And, um, you know, I, I, I constantly am willing to experiment with new things. For example, um, one of my series, which is a series about the witch apocalypse called Brew, um, I've <laughs> just decided, even though, it, even though it's been in Kindle Unlimited for a while, um, I, I've decided to, I've just recently moved that to broad distribution through Smashwords and made the first book in the series free. Um, permanently, which is a strategy many authors have tried, and, and I've mm -hmm. just. So you've never had a chance to try that yet. David. Much financial, you know, much financial um, for the try. I love you can experiment outlay kind of at the beginning. Whoa, that was <laughs> weird. Cheney, did you hear that? Yeah, I got. Okay. Got it. So basically, David, you just went quiet for a second, and then everything you said just kind of unloaded. And <laughs> okay. So Google Hangouts has been experimenting uh, with their quality, and I think that might just be a hiccup <laughs> from okay. them. So go ahead, try try that again. What'd you say? Um, so I guess I've just I've been I've been experimenting with some different strategies, and um, the most recent one is, is making a book permanently free, which is something I hadn't done before, but which some some other authors have said has has been successful for them, particularly when they have a series. And so I've I've just done that with Brew um, through Smashwords, so it'll be broadly distributed and free on all platforms, including Amazon, as soon as as soon as they price match to free. And then you know I'm I'm curious to see what the impact would be on the sequels and and whether I'll see significant increase in in sell through of the series, but I, I just love I love this I love this world we live in where you can uh, somebody like me who had never written a book before and who had very little experience with writing could try it um, at least see if they had any talent and once I realized that it was something that came naturally to me and something that I really enjoyed um, you know I could develop develop my my writing skills. Through a lot of a lot of um, failures, you know, my first cup, my first trilogy didn't really wasn't really that good, and so deservedly it didn't really sell or get great reviews. But from there, you know, I was able to able to find kind of my niche and find my my writing style, and um, and then make a living out of it. That's great, and it's important to be able to take risks as an author, especially an indie author. Um, you got to experiment, you got to try new things. You can't get stuck in a rut. So it's cool to see you go from Ku to trying the free loss leader approach. That's neat. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and it's great too because you have a big enough backlist that you can try several different things and see what works and not really be at a huge loss if it doesn't work. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that's that's definitely the advice I give to, to most indies who are starting out is to not put too much pressure on themselves with, with one particular book. You know, so many indies say, I'm, I'm releasing my debut novel. I'm so nervous about, you know, what's going to happen with it. And 
I mean, it's the beginning of the road, not even close to the end of the road. And, mm -hmm. and the key is to practice and try different things and take risks. And, um, you know, sometimes they'll pay off and, and sometimes they won't. But um, if, if you don't if you don't try different things, then, then none of them will really pay off. Exactly. Now, today's podcast uh, is actually about effectively launching and promoting your book. So this is a pretty good segue into our first topic. So let's go ahead and talk about how you generally launch your book. What do you usually do when you're launching a book? So um, one thing to keep in mind, I guess, before I delve into it, is that book launches, while they're very important, they're not as important as they used to be, um, especially because of the nature of virtual bookstores like Amazon. A book's life is eternal, so um, it's more about a lifetime of sales rather than just the first six weeks or even the six months. I mean, it used to be you needed a strong start because otherwise your book would get pulled off of bookshelves at Barnes & Noble, at Borders before that. And um, now the great thing is you can, you can have a slow start and um, it doesn't necessarily matter. So the Moon Dwellers, for example, the first year of sales was nothing to write home about. You know, my wife and I had taken a risk. We quit our jobs and... Um, I didn't do much of a launch for the Moon Dwellers because I didn't really know what I was doing back then. Mm -hmm. um, I don't, I don't know if I, if I know what I'm doing now, but I certainly know <laughs> a lot, a lot more um, four years later. So, my wife and I, we basically quit our jobs and just said we're going to give this a go. And I launched the Moon Dwellers. In the first year, we were, we might get a check every month that we could go out for tacos, and that was about. <laughs> that was about Sounds it. about right. Yeah. yeah wow. That was and, my first year too. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I mean. Even six, nine months later, um, it wasn't that much better. Maybe I was able to pay for, you know, a phone bill or something here and there, but um, it, it wasn't it wasn't anywhere close to being able to, to make a real living off of it. And then, you know, a year into it, um, some good things started happening. I started getting positive publicity. The reviews were, were starting to pick up a bit, and then I got the BuzzFeed article, and then everything just changed. Um, and the sequel started selling, and, and you know the rest is kind of history. So that I guess that's the first thing to keep in mind is that is that I, I don't want authors to put too much um, impact and too too much in terms of resources necessarily into their book launch. I think it's better to go um, with a with a, a lighter touch for the lowest cost possible. So that being said, um, I still think it's important to celebrate the launch of a book, um, particularly because of your loyal fan base. You you wanna. You want to create a, a chance to connect with them, and it's also an opportunity to grow your platform. So I usually take a two-pronged approach to a book launch. The first and far most important aspect of launching a new book is you, you got to get reviews. They're so crucial these days. The more you get early in the process, the greater chance of success you have. So what I generally do when I'm launching a new book is I utilize my network of bloggers. So bloggers I've partnered with in the past, bloggers who have featured me on interviews, giveaways, that sort of thing. I have a whole list of them. I keep, I keep track of all their email addresses. And basically, I offer them advanced review copies of, of my new book in exchange for reviews on Amazon, Goodreads, and on their blogs. So that way, my book hits the ground running on day one. Um, and as part of it, I, I also usually invite these bloggers not only to get a free copy of the book, but then also to participate in kind of the blog event. So I, I always do a blog event. Just because, you know, I, I appreciate bloggers and I think they, they deserve a chance to not only get books, you know, in advance of my release, but also to participate in the launch. Um, and, you know, what I offer them in, in, um, in order to have them participate is, you know, exclusive content, like I'll do guest, guest posts, I'll do interviews. Um, I'll spend quite a bit of time, time creating um, content for them, and then I'll also offer them some type of a, a cross-blog giveaway 
that includes signed books, Amazon gift cards, other swag. So that's where I can grow my platform because um, I use a raffle cop raffle copter giveaway. And so in order to enter, participants have to follow me on Facebook, join my Goodreads fan group, subscribe to my newsletter, those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. So all of that is, is pretty valuable for growing my platform in a big way as part of a book launch. Great. So do you do launch parties? Okay, yes. Yeah. So, so the, the first prong is the, is the, blog, the blog blast. Um, which is main purpose, getting reviews and um, doing giveaways and kind of growing my platform. The second prong to me is just celebrating and interacting with, with my loyal fan base. And so that's, I, I, use, um, I use Facebook parties or Twitter parties. I've done a few Twitter parties and then recently I've gone to Facebook parties um, just because the platform I think works well. Yeah, I think Facebook is so much better for a launch party personally. Yeah, yeah I, I tend to agree with you, um, especially after having just done one for my new book. So just to give you just to give you an idea of what we did, um, my new book is called Strings, and it's a it's a Pinocchio retelling um, mm -hmm. told from the perspective of a a 16 year old girl named Pia. And um, for this particular event, I, I use Facebook, and basically with the help of my street team, I hosted an event. And one of the one of the things I, I'd done um, based on seeing a, a few other authors um, do it quite well was. I invited as many other authors as I could get to be a part of it. And so this party basically lasted from 6 p.m. Eastern until midnight, and which was, which was certainly a long party for me. And I was so surprised to see how many readers stuck around for large portions of it or even the entire six hours. And I think part of the reason why they were willing to do that was because um, I had a number of other author, authors, including some, some bestsellers like Carago Bryan, who was the author of Birthmarked, um, as well as Risa Walker, the author of Timebounds. Um, they attended, and they were willing to give copies of signed books as prizes and chat with, chat with my readers. So um, it really, not only it gave them, those authors, you know, exposure that they love to get, but it also gave an incentive to my readers to get um, benefits from coming to this party. And it, it was, I tried not to make it all about the launch of my book because who wants to talk about the launch of one book for six hours? Um, it was about kind of a broader spe spectrum, not only these other authors and what, what they write, but also just the fairy tale retelling genre in general because it's so hot right now. People mm -hmm. love, to, love to talk about fairy tales. Um, so, you know, we just had um, unique discussion topics like, um, who's your who's your favorite fairy tale character? Who would you kiss? Who would you kill? You know, just things to try to make it fun um, for for readers. Um, and I guess the other thing that we did that that I think is important is to be as creative as possible with these events because there are so many of them these days. You don't want people to think, oh, great, another another launch party. That yeah, that's actually what I was about to bring up. Yeah, I, I've read a couple of articles that are saying that the launch parties are overdone and you know they've it's kind of the, the end of them and it's time to move on to something else. I kind of disagree. Um, I just think they need to be, they need to be different from each other. Um, you have to come up with as many unique ideas as possible. And instead of just having the same typical giveaways throughout them, um, we tried to do giveaways that were a little bit more interesting that, um, people could get a little more excited about. So, I mean, we still did the sign, sign books and Amazon gift cards and all of that because people, they like that. Those are tried and tested. But then we've also, we also did things to go along with the theme of Pinocchio. Like we did Pinocchio DVDs, books. Um, we, we got some artists to, to commission some artwork that was um, either inspired by the story of Pinocchio 
um, or inspired by my book Strings, which was like kind of a darker sci-fi version of Pinocchio. So we, we had some artwork that we were um, giving away. And, you know, the, the feedback's been just so positive as people have received their prizes. And they've said, I've never received a piece of artwork as part of a, a book giveaway. So Yeah, that's um, pretty clever. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that, that'll keep people coming back to more parties and also telling their friends about them and how much fun they had. Yeah, I actually got to participate in that. Um, I had the 11.30 slot. Um, and I, I <laughs> you had, the, you had the, la the late slot. Yeah, <laughs> the latest possible one because everybody had already signed up. And Sarah Nofke right. uh, messaged me on Facebook about it. And she's like, you have to – there's one spot left. Make sure – and I was, I was like – at a stoplight around the corner of the <laughs> and I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> like, I, I drove home as fast as I could and I just like ran to my computer and signed on and signed up for it. But I barely got it. And it was great. I got I got like uh, I think it was like twenty five new subscribers to my email list from that and uh, gave away a couple of ebooks. Awesome. Yeah, that was gonna be my next question is what 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 do you see as the results? from a launch party, typically. Because you yeah, have so a much more clever approach to launch parties. Um, most people are pretty bored. They show up for their 15 minutes, they do a couple giveaways, and then they leave. And they don't really bring anyone with them. I've noticed that I think that's the approach of most authors. It's just kind of like there's so many that they're kind of exhausted from it. So I think if authors do a launch party and it's not theirs, um, they need to pick ones they'll get excited about. Yeah, yeah, I will say that yours was a lot of fun, and I've done a few of them now. Oh, good. I'm, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you found it to be to be um, to be positive for you. So you say you got 25 newsletter subscribers and maybe a few sales. Um, yeah, that's that's good. Um, to to me, just getting those 25 25 newsletter subscribers. I mean, I always think of each new subscriber, each new reader, as one that leads to many. Um, so yeah, that's that's great feedback to get. So David, what results do you typically see from a launch party that you throw for yourself? Yeah, I mean, so the way I try to I, I try to avoid um, quantifying it in terms of in terms of sales and and dollar value, um, okay. because it ver it can vary so much from from party to party, and a lot depends on the price of your book and whether you're doing some type of a price promotion at the same time. Um, I've definitely found that when I when I do a price promotion, it's a completely different situation. Like if I if I do a ninety nine cent you know sale during during the party, oh, it looks like you cut out again. It cut out again. Where did you lose me? I think the last thing I heard was when I throw a party. <laughs> okay. It was it was a sale. The ninety-nine cents you get, you get more um, than if you do. Okay. So. Yeah. So the the ninety-nine cent, uh, you know, I might get in the hundreds of sales during a during a launch party. Versus with strings, I wanted to take the long approach um, because it's it's not the first in the series. It's a standalone. Um, so I need to try and make a, as much as I can out of my investment of time and energy. Um, so I don't plan to do many price promotions with it. So I tried to focus more on. You know the quality of the party, um, particularly just the connections with my with my fan base, and I really I used it more as um, kind of a qualitative event versus a quantitative. And um, for me, it was just another another chance to strengthen my bond with my readers, so that that they feel 
like they know me. And so when I release something new, it's a friend that's releasing something new versus just another author that's the, that they don't really know. I see. So your goal with this wasn't really about having a lot of sales. It was really more a reward for your fans. Yeah, that's exactly right. I tried to view the set, the sales of this one, um, particularly around the launch, as more of any any sale I got was was more of a you know kind of a, a nice surprise versus something that would justify me doing another party like this. So um, probably on during the launch party, I probably had in total 50 or 60 sales um, versus some other ones that I've done in the past that I might have had two or 300 sales. Mm -hmm. um, but overall, the dollar amount of, of royalties was probably a little bit higher because I kept the price at my three ninety nine price, which is what I planned for the life of the book. Yeah, I think that that was a good idea. I mean, so, fifty or sixty sales is still pretty good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I'm 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 def I'm completely happy with that. Um, and I, like I said, I, I view it more as a as a long term. Um, investment and building up my backlist, linking my books together, and getting a read. No, it doesn't really matter how I hook a reader, whether it's through uh, my most popular series, The Moon Dwellers, which is a good series, but it, to me, it's not nearly as good as some of my later series. Or if I hook a reader through one of my one of my newer series, um, you know, as long as long as they get hooked into my writing, and then they have a chance to read through a book and then kind of see what else I have out there. Yeah, and you've got multiple series, so that's multiple points of entry for a new reader. Exactly. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a huge advantage to to have multiple series um, as a as a hybrid author or an indie author. Um, it just gives you so many more touch points. It gives you so much more flexibility in terms of promotions. So, um, what about email blasts? You mentioned you had a newsletter. Do you uh, you find that you get a lot of a uh, lot of good responses from that? Like when you launch a book and you um, put out a years. So, oh, sorry. I guess you you cut out there for a little bit. Oh, okay. Um, so so I'm new to newsletters. Um, I haven't done them in the past. I probably should have. Um, and I, I primarily had been using Goodreads as my my platform to connect with readers. I have a Goodreads fan group that has more than three thousand members. So I can get, I can send a message blast out to that entire group. Um, so I've kind of used that as my my quote unquote newsletter in the past, um, but recently I've seen I've really started to see the value in in having a newsletter. So I've I've finally created one, um, and so I'm working to grow that list. It's at about you know 300 350 or so um, subscribers right now. Okay, so um, you okay? You let's talk let's talk about Goodreads for a little bit. Oh, what did you have something else to say, boys? Yeah, um, with email blasts, I don't really like using the word blast because that sounds like you're just throwing information at your reader, yeah. but you're sending them an email to connect with them, to kind of touch base and say hi. And so typically, what do you email them? I, I know you said this is new. You, you just recently created your newsletter, but when you were operating off of Goodreads, who, which, by the way, you could probably just send a, a notice to all of them and be like, hey, join my newsletter. They probably all join. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I did do that. Um, and you did. They didn't, okay. they didn't. They didn't all join. Really? But, um, I think I, I it'll. I'll be able to take advantage of that to grow my newsletter um, in the future. Um, the reason it, I think the reason they didn't all join um, the first time was the way I've set up my newsletter is is because I have such a huge backlist. Um, 
to, when you join my newsletter, you get you get the David Estes Starter Library, which is four mm -hmm. books, basically the the first book in my four most popular series. You get all that for free, and because so many people in my fan group have already read those books or most of them, then um, there was less of an incentive for them to necessarily join the the newsletter. But you know, as I as I grow my list um, and as, as I release new things, I'll be able to offer new free books and new opportunities for arcs and things like that. But I mean, I I do I do think I have because I've joined other author newsletters. I do want to touch on um, kind of what I feel as a reader um, can be either good about them or negative about them. Um, to me, they could really be viewed in one of three ways, either annoying spam that you just unsubscribe from because you're sick of, of getting them. Mm -hmm. um, two, it could be a vaguely interesting inbox clutter that you either skim or maybe you delete it without even opening and just read kind of the subject line. Or I think the third and what you want is a valuable direct line to your readers, um, which can actually result in an increase in sales. And to me, to achieve number three, which is what I'm going to attempt with my, my newsletter, is number one, you got to limit the number of emails you send. Um, it just can't be a constant thing because then anything that's kind of constant tends to be viewed as spam. I've seen a lot of um, authors try the once per month. I'm probably more in the once per quarter category just because, I mean, writing is a, it's a slow game. Um, and I, I just don't think I necessarily have enough to say every month um, that would be of value to them. But... Um, I think it's, it's depending on what you, which direction you decide to go, you have to make the content as valuable as possible. Um, information on upcoming books and current books isn't enough. You have to give them a reason to open the email. Um, so I tried to do this with my starter library, but I also like the idea of always including some type of a quarterly giveaway or a monthly giveaway. Um, it's just about being creative and um, and really incentivizing them to, to open the email each and every time they see it and almost even get excited about the, the David Estes newsletters come in today. What, a, what, a, what benefit am I going to get? What cool content is he going to provide me with? Yeah, that's a cool approach. I actually, um, back when I first started my newsletter, I had a monthly giveaway going. And I noticed that people only signed up for the giveaway. They only ever opened the giveaway emails and that was when I stopped it because those weren't the kind of readers I really wanted on my list because they didn't really care about my books they just wanted the giveaway so you have to be careful with that approach I think you can do it effectively you just have to be very careful with how you do it and what you right. promise before people sign up I guess did you include other content in that email or the, or the email was was strictly to to promote the giveaway the particular email was strictly to promote the giveaway Right. Yeah, I guess I guess I see it more as trying to trying to connect giveaways to um, to other content. Um, but no, I, I I hear you. There, there's this whole giveaway culture and there's this freebie culture. Um, mm -hmm. And you know, when when you do a big when you do a big um, price promotion like you give away some free books, you tend to get you get a fair number of people who are there just for the free book and they're not interested in kind of the rest of your backlist. Um, so I guess you have to kind of take the the positives with the negatives, but um. If I can get if I can get you know three new readers who are willing to read sequels and and potentially you know pay something for them to me as the author for putting in the effort then I'll, I'll take those three new readers even if there are ten other ones who just download the free book just for that one free book. Mm -hmm. Understandable. Awesome. So, Cheney, you wanted to dive into Goodreads. Um, well, yeah, we can get to that in a second, but uh, I wanted to talk about some promotions. Uh, maybe 
each of us go over the ones that we've you know had the most success with. And I know both of you have done a lot of book clubs. I haven't done a single one, but really? I think. Uh, I I didn't realize that you hadn't done the book club yet. No, no, not yet. Um, I was gonna wait for my second book to launch. You know, so uh, that makes so sense. If I do a if I do a free book club, and I've only got one book, then it doesn't really. No, you're right. I for some reason I kept thinking that you published your second one already, but it's on pre-order. Yeah, it seems like I have. You have read it so long ago. <laughs> yeah, it's been on pre-order for like two months now, but uh, and I think you and you read it like almost two months ago, but yeah. yeah. So in my mind. Anyway. It's out the door and done. Yeah, um, and I'm already working on like my fourth book anyway. But uh, David, do you just want to go through maybe some of your favorite promotion promotions, and we can talk about like uh, you know Bookbub more in depth at the end of all this. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think I think these days, especially for for indies and hybrid authors, um, and even for some of the traditional publishers, you see them more and more on on BookBub and doing you know ninety nine cents and one ninety nine deals and things. Um, price promotions are definitely are definitely king right now. Um, I've probably had the most success with the free promos, but like you said, only if it's your first book in the in the series and the other ones are out. Um, not only is it a good way of getting reviews, but also in getting people to, to move through the series. And you can, you can, I, I've found, um, we'll talk about BookBub later, but I, I've found that those are always a good investment um, by, by a long shot. You know, you, you, with just within a few days, you pay for your investment um, plus a significant amount more. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess in terms of some other sites uh, along the lines that I've had some success with, there are so many of them. And... To be honest, I think most of them, you're probably not going to get your investment back, and it's probably not worth the money, um, especially because there's so much overlap between the subscribers to them. But I have had a little bit of success, uh, and I think they're worth the cost, um, with Book Gorilla. Um, it's, a flat, it's a flat rate. Um, it probably doesn't reach as many subscribers um, as you'd like, but it, it, it does. It, it is being used by the traditional publishers. It, it is getting a fair bit of um, uptake, and then Fussy Librarian is one that's trying to mimic um, BookBub's approach in terms of the cost structure. So they basically, they, they make you pay, de- depending on how many subscribers they have in the genre, you pay more or less, which I think is a fair approach, which is the one BookBub's taken. And then um, I've also had some success with BookSends and minibooks.net. Um, so those are the four that I use other than, when I can't get a BookBub, those are the ones that I'll use. Um, but none of, none of them are even close to the impact of BookBub. So if I can get BookBub, forget about the other ones. I have no interest in them. If I can get a BookBub, that's going to that's gonna be where I'm going to put my, my advertising dollars. Yeah, I like to layer them. So I'm, I'm with you. I like Book Gorilla. Um, they definitely do not have as many subscribers yeah. as BookBub, but they do have at least targeted lists now, so that's good. So, you know, people who like mysteries won't read your fantasy book. <laughs> so... Um, I like Book Gorilla, and I also like um, Free Booksy. I tend to layer those together when I have a free book promotion. And um, Free Booksy has a sister site called Bargain Booksy for any books you want to promote that are discounted rather than free. But I've gotten a lot of really good uh, results from Free Booksy. And so what I like to do is layer them. So I'll do a Free Booksy on Monday, a Book Gorilla on Friday, and a Book Bug on Wednesday. And... Um, I found that layering them together like that, though it's, it is a little harder to see what the actual results of each location, each site is, 
um, it really shoots me up in the rankings and it really shoots me up in sales. Right. And then you see the reviews. The reviews follow shortly after. And the reviews follow shortly after. Yeah. If you have the, the back matter set up for it. <laughs> you have to right. tell people to review. People don't usually review on your own. Now would you guys say the Oh, go ahead, David. I was gonna say this is sort of jumping topics, but do you find that lately, um, and I guess I mean in the last three to six months, that you, you've it's been more difficult to get to get Amazon reviews? Um, I say they keep getting deleted. Yeah. <laughs> um, Amazon keeps they have their little bots that go around and delete whatever they think is an unfair review, which has gotten more and more silly as time has gone on. Um, so, yeah, I, I would say it's a little hard to get reviews, but probably not from reviewers. It's probably not the so, reviewers. So something I did recently, we were just talking about an email uh, subscriber list and everything. Um, mine's about a thousand people, but when I sent this email out, it was only about 780, I think. And I uh, asked my group for reviews, my list, and um, I offered as a contest, like, oh, if you click this link to leave a review, you know, you don't have to leave a review. If you do, leave an honest one, but you don't have to. Just click the link and you'll get entered for a chance to win. Um, and then I gave away, you know, a couple prizes. And I saw massive results from that. Yeah, uh, that's a good technique. It was about 43 new reviews on Amazon in two days, and only one of those was deleted. <laughs> so that's exactly, that's that's something exactly to consider. what I was going to Yeah, I was going to ask whether you had any deleted and whether those reviewers included in their review um, anything of any information about that they, they, they're reviewing as part of in order to be entered in a giveaway, because I think that's, that's where you got to watch out, because then Amazon might look at those, might catch keywords and delete those ones. Yeah, no, I, I read every single one and thankfully nobody did that. Okay, so, great. Yeah, but uh, that is one technique that I've seen um, certain people use. I got it from Nick Stevenson. So when, you're, when your list gets bigger, or even now, um, that might be something to consider. Great, yeah. Yeah, you do have to be very careful with that technique, though, because it, it's kind of gray. Yeah, you have to make sure that you say, um, you know, that just clicking the link will get you in, entered into the contest. Like, don't say, you know, because you, you can't pay for reviews, yeah. and you can't incentivize for reviews, so. Yeah, but it is a, a good technique, and it had some pretty good results for you, so that's great. Yeah. So what about um, other sites? Like um, we've talked about BookBub and BookRill and FreeBooksy and BookSend, uh, but are there any that you've found that are free that don't cost anything that give you any good results? Um, well, this isn't this isn't necessarily kind of in the same vein as those ones, but we mentioned we mentioned Goodreads earlier, and um, I, I've had quite a few authors kind of want to speak to me about how I build a platform on Goodreads because I think it's a really underutilized site and it's it goes along with kind of my my approach to taking the long view of my career and um, although it's I don't necessarily consider Goodreads a place to to actively promote your book um, that's the the quickest way to lose readers and to be considered a spammer 
um, I think it's an awesome place to become part of a community and become a become part of you know a group of readers who are like you who probably read the same kind of books. And that's actually that's how I got my start was um, was not by going on there as an author but as a reader who happened to be an author and um, connecting with people through through some of the groups of that had you know interested readers in the same types of books that I was reading and. Um, usually what would happen is I would start chatting with someone, you know, over the course of a day or a week or a month. And then somewhere down the line, I would, I would get a message from them that would say, um, I didn't even realize you were an author. I finally clicked on your profile, saw you were an author. And, you know, you've been such a, you've given me so many book recommendations over the last weeks and months that I decided to try your book. And you know what? I ended up really liking it. I'm going to read your other books. And it just becomes this kind of, this snowball gets bigger and bigger and bigger as you go down the mountain. That's awesome, and you have a fan group on there too, a substantially, yeah, so that, yeah a substantial yeah. one. Yeah, you know, that came later. Um, I started out just, just being a member of the groups that were already on there, and then at some point um, I realized not necessarily that, that I wanted to have a fan group because, you know, I, I tend to avoid the groups that are all about just one author, all about one author's books because there's just there's not enough to talk about to keep the group active. But what I realized was that the the groups that were the young adult groups which is what my group is um it they, they were they would usually have like a quick burst at the beginning where there'd be a lot of activity and then they'd sort of fade away and um i thought it was because there, there just wasn't enough of an effort necessarily from the moderators um to to keep interesting content to, to create new programs to try and give uh, members reasons to keep coming back so what i did is i created what is now my fan group, but I doubled it up as a young adult reader group. So it's called David Estes Fans and YA Book Lovers Unite. And I have, you know, I have thousands of members on there who read my books. I have thousands of members on there who don't read my books and have no interest in doing so. And that's fine because it's more about creating a community. And what we've done to kind of keep our members and also get new readers is, or get new members is to have programs like we have an author Q&A program where we go out and we, we um, contact the big name authors, um, as many as we can get. And we've had, we've had probably 20 to 30 authors who are New York Times bestsellers come to our group and do a, like a live Q&A with, with our members. And it's just little, little programs like that that started out as an idea and then have really flourished, I think, keeps our members coming back for more. Um, even if they're not necessarily there for my books, they still tell their friends about the group and their friends might become fans of my book. So, so I kind of view it that way where every member is the opportunity for more readers for me, even if, if, if they end up not being a reader for me. Yeah. I mean, that's actually how I found you, um, was through that group. So and building you, um, connections. You were through the, you, you joined through to, um, and you signed up for a read for review. Is that right? Yeah, I did. Uh, I think mine's scheduled for like June or something. Yeah, so that, that was another program where a lot of, a lot of um, the, the young adult groups and other groups on Goodreads do these read-to-review programs to help authors get reviews, um, and it's, it's one that we've found has worked really well. We, we don't offer it as often as a lot of um, other groups do. We do one every two weeks, and so I think that's built up. I think that's helped the program because then our members don't get so bored of, of oh, there's always another book offered for review. Yeah. So it's only, yeah, it's only twice a month, and, and we've found um, pretty good uptake from our members and then the authors, um, fortunately or unfortunately, the, the waiting list goes out quite far now where we've actually <laughs> had to kind of, we've had to close down the program for new, for new authors um, 
until we kind of catch up because it's scheduled out through the end of the year already. Wow, that's great though. Yeah, I can't well, wait to see what the results are from that. Yeah, I hope you get some. I hope you get some reviews, um, both good, constructive. You know, we obviously, as as we all do, we 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 ask for honest reviews, and um, I tend to find the the members in my group are relatively fair. Um, even though it's my my group, you know, I'm the one that created it. When I offer a book for review, you know, I might get 30, 40, 50, whatever, however many people signing up for it, and you know, I'll get reviews from five stars all the way down to sometimes I'll get some pretty negative reviews. Um, and that's, that's fine. It doesn't matter that it's my group. They're, they're just expressing their opinions and um, I, I try to learn, learn from them. So, you know, I, I think you'll get, you'll get some reviews. You'll, you'll find some new fans um, and you'll also get some constructive feedback that, that may aid you in the future. Yeah, I definitely. Think I think that's a really valuable approach because I think it's really easy for authors to look at readers as numbers and sales and review count and forget that they're people. And so when you actually look at building connections, even though it's more work, it puts you miles ahead of most other authors and will create solid connections that last for your entire career. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. Um, and it, it is a lot of work. And I've seen, I've had a number of authors come to me and say, yeah, I created a fan group. It, it started off great. I had, you know, 300 members right off the bat. And then two months later, there was no activity in it. It was, nothing was happening. And it's because that, that author wasn't going in there every day and encouraging discussions and connecting and kind of being the cheerleader for the group. Um, they might go on there whenever they launched a book and, and, and say, hey, I launched this book. It's like, that's, that's not what it's about on Goodreads. It's a, it's a community. And um, if you're willing to put in the time and the energy, um, I think it's worthwhile and, and it creates a long-term platform. Yeah, that's powerful. Um, we are almost out of time, unfortunately. So why don't we steer the conversation back to BookBub? Um, do you want to just, like, you? how many BookBubs have you had over your career? I've lost count. Um, <laughs> You know, I have a list somewhere, actually. Let me see. I can actually... It's totally okay if you don't. Three, four, <laughs> Sorry. Five, six, Isn't it seven, something like 17? 8, 9... Sorry, I'm just counting them. 10, um, 11, 12, 13, 14... Yeah, you're pretty close. Um, 15... I just did my 15th, and I've got my 16th scheduled for next month. Nice. Um, yeah. So, so, yeah, I'm, I'm the poster child for BookBub. I, um, <laughs> You know, it took me a long time to discover it. I'm not sure why. It ended up being, I ended up getting an agent after the Moon Dwellers kind of went crazy. Um, I, I had, I had, an, I had already tried pitching it to a lot of agents and had a lot of rejections. And then an agent came to me um, after it had a lot of success. And um, it was my agent that told me about about BookBub. She said, you know, you got to get on this. It's 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 a valuable tool. And I just saw the price of it. And even back then, it was more expensive than the other sites. And um, yeah. Since then, it's it's grown, you know, four or five times in terms of the cost. But yeah. with the number of subscribers they've added, it's well worth it on a subscriber base on a cost per subscriber basis. And mm -hmm. um, the the great thing is, like um, you mentioned earlier, it's you, you can pick your genre. So you're it's a very focused list, and um, just the sheer number of people that are that are looking at that email every day and the tail on it. Um, it can can make it really successful. So I've given away. We talked about free some free ones. I've done both free and ninety nine cents deals on there, and um, you know the free ones. I've given away more than a hundred thousand copies of of the Moon Dwellers, and 
you know, I would not, not once have I ever regretted the decision to give away so many free books because I have six sequels in that series and it's just done amazing things for the sales of the sequels. Yep. BookBub is actually what put me on the map. My first wow. BookBub ad was what took me from like two figure sales months to four figure sales months. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's, overnight. That's a, yeah. It was, that's it was fabulous. Was it, um, a free, was it a free promo that you did? Yes. I, I love permafree. I love uh, having the free loss leader. It really helps a lot. Um, and I've done, I can't tell you how many I've done. Probably not as many as you. Because <laughs> I only have the one series and you're limited right. to every six right. months. But uh, it's, it's been phenomenal. They, they really, I love what they have done with the targeting and that they continue to build within each genre, those targeted right. readers who actually care about what you write. That's right. that's important. And you notice that all the other sites have followed suit. True. Yeah, so true. Um, I guess in terms of other other topics around BookBub is um, getting getting accepted for a BookBub. Because I, I know that that's a, that's a question. Because, because I've, I've, been yeah. Yeah, I've been accepted so many times, I, I constantly get these these messages from, from authors saying, how, how do you do it? How have you been accepted so many times? I can't even get my first one. I've been rejected eight times. You know, just and you know, my my I guess my my response to them is that I've been rejected that many times as well. Um, you know, I've I've had the times that where it's they've been all for it and the times they haven't. And it's uh, everybody. You know, the people that are that are sending me these messages, they're saying, "Oh, book bookbub is so annoying. They frustrate me. I can't stand them." And you know. That's I think that's the wrong approach because it's actually yeah. it's BookBub. BookBub's trying to help us by not picking the books that aren't going to be successful on BookBub. And um, they might accept your, your book one time and then you submit the same book six months later or a year later and BookBub might, might not accept it because it's not the right time. They're not have, they have all this data from books that are similar to yours that go, that go through their promotions and they can tell whether a book's going to be successful or not. So... Um, it's it's a it's a you have to be patient. You have to build up those reviews, um, and you just have to you have to keep trying. Um, and that's the approach that I took. And even when I've had a book rejected three or four times, maybe the fifth time it'll be accepted. Yeah, I actually was reading up on them today, and they want you to wait four weeks between your submissions. So if you're rejected, yes. you have to wait four weeks before you try again. And that's a big thing. I think some people will just, as soon as they get rejected, apply again. And then by the time they're actually like, you know, open to being accepted, they've already applied like eight times. And BookBub's probably like, no. Right. <laughs> Damn it, no. Um, but, the, you know, it's important to remember that they're, they're looking for the most competitive books so that they have a really strong lineup that they can send people. And part of that means being flexible with your date. If you can be flexible with your date and let BookBub pick the promotion date within like a range, I always give them 90 days and I say, guys, you do what you want, you tell me when the ad is. And that seems to work pretty effectively because I don't have any kind of strict timeline to adhere to. Um, and they're just going to look for I mean, yeah, be, be very flexible with your days. I think that helps a lot. And just every six months, you can do the same book. Every, I think it's every 30 days, you can be the same author. That's correct, yeah. And yeah, yeah. I agree with the flexibility. I, I always put in a flexible date. You know, they're so valuable that you, you can't, 
you have to kind of, I agree, you have to let them kind of dictate when your book is going to be the best fit. Um, and you don't, you might want a specific date, and that might be the date where they have five New York, New York Times best-selling books that are being submitted for that same date. And, you know, you, you just can't compete about that, and then compete with that, and then you're going to get rejected because you you have no flexibility on the date. And yeah. um, also the time of year, obviously around the holidays, around Christmas time, it gets way more competitive. So um, yep. You just have to, you have to be willing to sometimes say you know what I'll do my own different types of promotions um, during the holidays and I'll try for a book club if I don't get it you know I'll plan it for January or February. Yeah. Now you mentioned earlier the tail. Um, in case our listeners don't know what that means, can you explain? Sure. I mean this is so this is one of the most valuable aspects of book club is um, you know you you start getting these downloads on day one of a book club ad. And I think a lot of authors tend to focus on that and they say, oh, I got 20,000 downloads of my free book today. And then um, the next day they might get 5,000 and the next day 3,000. And then by the end of the promotion, your book goes back to regular price and you're not seeing those, those huge numbers of downloads, which, and you, and you might even get a little bit disheartened by it. But what you have to think about is readers, readers take time to get through their books. And especially when you're talking about readers that download a lot of free books, they're filling up their e-readers. They're filling up their Kindles. They might have downloaded 10 other free books in the 10 days before they downloaded yours, and they got to, They have to start somewhere. So they might be reading the first one. They might be reading them in order, and they're not going to read your book for three months or, or longer. And so the, the great thing about BookBub is it's, it's an investment in your future, and um, you will notice a bit of a boost um, in not only the, the paid sales of your book after it goes off of the BookBub promotion, but you're also going to notice a, a pretty good boost in the sequels. And then what I see is down the line, uh, it's increased sales for your book for the next six months or even for a year as it starts to make its way through through these readers' Kindles. So that's really the, the tale of, of your BookBub ad, and that's what um, that's what gives you the most value. And it's very hard to quantify um, how much value you get out of it. But, I, I mean, I would be surprised if anyone who's done a BookBub ad would say that they haven't gotten their money back in spades. Agreed. Uh, I think the final thing is people often wonder how many reviews do they need to get a book club ad, and that I could not actually find in the back. I could not find any information on that in the FAQ. Yeah. So Dave, do you um do you follow the the BookBub blog? No. That might be worth following. Yeah. Go look up Google BookBub's blog and um, become a follower. Get 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 the email notices every time they put out a new blog. So they literally. It might have been, this is perfect timing because it was just a couple of days ago they did a new blog post which was all about the, the myths around BookBub. And um, one of them was that you needed a set number of reviews, say 100 reviews, to get, to get a BookBub. Um, and what they said to debunk that myth is that there's actually no specific number of reviews that you need. Um, it's all done, all their decisions are on a case-by-case -case basis and you could actually have a book that's brand new that's got 10 reviews from people who got ARCs and it might be the best fit um, because of the past success you've had because you've got a certain number of followers on BookBub, um, etc. It might be the best fit for that particular time period. Awesome, thank you. I did not even know they had a blog.
Yeah, no worries. It also it has it also has myths about the fact that BookBub doesn't actually have a back a blacklist where if say you you got a BookBub deal and then for whatever reason you had to cancel it, which why would you cancel a BookBub deal? Right. There is a re there is a reason. I've done it one time and sure. it was I hated having to do it. It, it. I I agonized over it. But what had happened is I had a BookBub deal where it was going to be a free promo on say I think it was around April 18th of last year. And it was for my, my book called Brew. And I was so excited to get this, this promo with BookBub. And then Kindle, Amazon sent me an email saying, Brew has just been selected for a Kindle daily deal. And that was two weeks, two weeks after the BookBub one. And one of their rules is you can't be offering a better price than what their Kindle daily deal price is going to be within a certain number of days. I think it was like 30 days or 60 days. And so I had to cancel my BookBub deal. Otherwise, I wouldn't get my, my Kindle daily deal at 99 cents. So uh, you know, I was very worried that BookBub was going to put me on some list of authors who cancel their, their BookBub deals and that they weren't going um, to schedule me in the future. And, and they've debunked that myth. And they said, there is no backlist. You know, you can, you can, as long as you follow our policies and procedures, you cancel within a certain number of days. And then you, you, you're still welcome to, um, to re to resubmit your book. So I ended up resubmitting um, Brew a couple of months later. It got accepted in August. And I ended, so I got the Kindle Daily deal and I got the BookBub deal and it was kind of like the perfect storm of, of promotion. Awesome. Yeah, that's All really right. cool. Well, Shane, did you have anything else you wanted to mention before we wrap up? Uh, nope. I don't really have much to add to the BookBub discussion because I haven't done one yet. <laughs> <laughs> you, you will. Someday. <laughs> Well, I plan on applying um, in a couple weeks, so hopefully that'll go through. But if not, I'm sure I'll have many more chances in the future. Fingers crossed. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you've just listened to the IndiePub podcast with Jay and Jamie, me, Sun Voice, and our special guest, David Estes. I said that right, right? Yes, you okay. got it right. <laughs> As always, thank you for joining us, and we will see you next time on the IndiePub podcast.